Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I'm going to uh, attempt to recap Winnipeg's... I don't even know how to describe this game. I guess one word would be disastrous loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then cover a bit about the Kevin Sawyer issue. And I think the final period, we're just going to have some fun talking about some fun, like, pop culture stuff. Uh, Because right now, the Winnipeg Jets, not a whole lot of exciting, fun discussion material. Um, A lot of things that are actually, arguably, rather unfun, very grindy topics. So... The first one, uh, Winnipeg played, well, I guess I technically played a hockey game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I I don't know if I can really call this hockey because I think Winnipeg should basically be ashamed and embarrassed for the effort that they put out tonight. This is arguably one of the worst games the Jets have ever played. They really weren't super competitive. I mean, they did generate enough shots on goal and stuff, but this was an incredibly embarrassing game for the amount of stupid mistakes and awful errors that ended up going in the back of the net. Winnipeg basically just didn't seem to try on a lot of a lot of plays, or they made these really terrible defensive reads. They kind of lazily tossed the puck around. Some of them didn't even back check to try and disrupt a, an offensive chance against. And it's just, I don't know, man, this was just a really pathetic game from Winnipeg. I mean, they basically got dominated despite the fact that, for, I don't know, the first half of the game, Tampa Bay really didn't have to do anything. We all know what the Lightning can do with even a little bit of time and space and a couple of passing lanes where they can find those uh, those routes to the net. Tampa Bay is very good at passing, very good at scoring, very good at build-up play. Um, there's basically very, you know not many things that the, the Lightning are actually going to struggle with. Defensively, they're pretty well-rounded. Uh, they have, obviously, a pretty lethal special teams unit. So this is a team that you know, if, as long as the goaltending holds up, the uh, the Lightning are, are definitely Stanley Cup contenders, possibly favorites, and uh, that was always going to be a tough test for the Jets, but I think that the way that Winnipeg capitulated tonight is just inexcusable. On so many goals, Winnipeg gave up odd man situations where one of the defensemen really wasn't paying attention, he was pressed too high, or we had a situation where there was a 2-on-0 after, I don't know, Andrew Kopp made another kind of rough, dangerous pass in the middle of the offensive zone. Um, but in the opposite end of the ice, somebody finds Kucherov and Stamkos in the other end on a 2-0 breakaway. I'm like, like, how does that happen? I just, I really don't understand how that happens. At the professional level, the NHL level no less, for for guys to just completely leave two of the most dangerous scorers on the opposing team wide open, I don't know, man, it's just, it's just nasty. And I felt like in so many opportunities where Winnipeg needed to clear the puck out of the crease, or at least get it away from the slot area, Tampa Bay was always there to win the puck battles. And then, like, if Winnipeg had an opportunity to, say, disrupt an offensive scoring chance against, I mean, I very clearly remember this one time where Mark Shifley gets walked by Anthony Sorelli. Shifley, all he has to do is pretty much apply a little bit of back pressure from behind. Uh, Maybe a little bit of stick play. Worst case scenario, he takes a penalty, maybe saves a goal. Shifley didn't do any of these things. He basically just glided behind Sorelli and let him um, walk in on, on a hellebuck almost uncontested. In in my opinion, I just <laughs> I don't understand how you know a guy who's supposed to be our top line center and our main playmaker, our main goal scorer, um, one of our top overall players, doesn't even put in the effort to really back check and, and try. 
the game was completely within reach. I think Winnipeg was either down one nothing or 2 nothing at that point. And then that game, you know, that goal basically ices the game. The Jets really just, I don't know, it was just a lot of these frustratingly sloppy, lazy plays. Winnipeg, you know, finishes the game down like 7-1. I mean, it's just, ugh, I don't know. Sorelli has a hat trick, one, you know, that kind of leaks through. I think Winnipeg gets a goal from Jack Roslovic on a uh, admittedly good effort play from, you know, Matthew Perot. I think the only positive that we can really take away from this is that at least Sami Niku got to got a promotion to the top pairing. I felt like of all the skaters on the ice, Niku was one of the few guys who showed up. And what totally sucks is that like Connor Hellebuck gets saddled with a five goal uh, against loss on I think a total of twelve shots before he got pulled. And I feel bad for him. I mean he he really got hung out to dry way more than you know his usual hung out to dry states are. We all know that the Jets' defense is pretty bad, but what they did tonight. And, and the mistakes that guys like Sabisa, Batetto, Kulikov, Pionk, Morrissey, the mistakes that they made were baffling. But in particular, the depth guys were really, 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 really terrible. I don't know if I can stress just how bad the combination of Kulikov, Batetto, and Sabisa was. It was shameful, and, you know, you, you do expect it to happen against really good teams. For those moments, though, you'd like the Winnipeg forwards to step up and at least try and help their defensemen, but that really didn't happen either. I mean, the Jets forwards, aside from guys like Nick Shore and a few others, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty lifeless game. I mean, the Jets got dominated. Um, I mean, the shot clock may not look as bad as you, you might imagine it to be, but the Jets really weren't very good at all. The rather lopsided scoreline is pretty indicative of the fact that the Jets really couldn't get a whole lot of opportunities. I mean, they did generate some stuff against Vasilevsky. They had a lot of uh, sharp angle shots that created some nice rebounds, but no one was ever there to support and, and capitalize. You know, obviously Vasilevsky made a couple of great saves, but generally speaking, Tampa Bay was the one that had the most wide open chances because they were usually either odd man situations or in, you know, the Stamkos-Kucherov situation, a 2-on-0. Eh, it's just, yeah, I mean, like, I don't really know what else to say. Winnipeg was inexcusably bad. Eh, this is not the first time that they've done this this season. Yes, it's against the Lightning, I get it. But you're at home, you have a specialty night going on to celebrate the indigenous community. You know, Winnipeg really needs to step up and give their fans something to cheer about. Closing out your homestand on a sour note like this is just, blech, man, I mean, it's just gross. Now they have to go on the road... And uh, how many wins are they really going to get on the road if they're playing anywhere near this level of hockey? It's just, it to me, it's totally baffling. And this is the kind of stuff that, you know, a couple more games like this and Paul Maurice is going to be on the hot seat. I just don't see how anyone could settle for Winnipeg being this bad. Um, and obviously the Jets haven't been good this season for the most part, but this is like a whole new level where they're just not competitive in the game, where they really don't show up, where they make these absolutely baffling mistakes um, the kind that they they have made previously but not in the same amount and volume um, and especially situationally speaking there was just no awareness for any of the uh, scoring plays against that took place so yeah Winnipeg gets dusted and that's that's that I mean I don't know what else to say the Jets are out of a playoff spot right now by a couple points and uh, I mean here here goes an opportunity to take a, a wild card spot back and the Jets blew it they'll have an opportunity again on I guess uh, Sunday against the Chicago Blackhawks, but are we really expecting a win? I'm personally not. On the list of unpleasant topics to discuss, I think it's probably worth uh, reiterating the story of the Kevin Sawyer saga, which has become something of a, a big talking point within the Win Winnipeg sports community. And really, 
it should be a case study for um, sports media in general, especially those who either have worked in the in the professional sports world prior to being a, becoming a broadcaster or who have any sort of commentary and, and thought on this process. About a week or two ago, Sawyer was talking about some stuff with the Minnesota Wild. And the Wild, of course, have Jared Spurgeon on their roster. Sawyer had actually coached him in, I think, junior hockey teams. But the weird thing was, he starts talking about Spurgeon. And normally, you know, most guys who would coach somebody would talk about, oh, you know, this kid was so great. He was a wonderful player to coach. I thought he had a ton of potential and all that kind of stuff. Or at least that's that's kind of what you expect. Sawyer instead pulled out the story of the time that he and the team saran wrapped him to like a pillar or something, which, um, you know, at the time, I don't even think Bayak knew what to say. Um, Dennis was very quiet, didn't really comment and just kind of kept on with the with the play by play calls, which to me said that no one really knew how to react to the story because this is at the time when the whole anti-hazing bullying thing is going on and is still an active situation within the NHL. So right off the bat, this already creates an uncomfortable situation for both the broadcast team, for the Jets, very possibly for Jared Spurgeon if there was any reason that he wasn't uncomfortable with it, which he hasn't said anything and he probably never will at this rate. But what was interesting was TSN really didn't have any response to this. In fact, they haven't said a word about it and no one really said anything about it until the past 24 hours when I think somebody from either True North or, or a representative um, in their media department broke the silence and said Kevin Soria would address it. But the, the tweet that talked about this was, you know, kind of in some ways nastily worded. I think that, I, look, I, I get that True North is probably not happy with this whole situation. The most logical thing is for, you know, them to kind of get in front of this and deal with it. But that's not, and you know, that didn't happen. That's, that's at this point, kind of water under the bridge for the Jets. Uh, what, what did happen was that they came out and said, you know, for those persistently asking, which you can't, you can't address a situation saying, for those persistently asking, this is PR 101. If you want to avoid pissing off the fans, and especially those for whom this issue is a sensitive matter, you cannot adopt a combative attitude, even if this is aggravating to deal with. Many of us have bemoaned the fact that Sawyer's color commentating is less than ideal, but this story was just sort of weird. Now, personally, when I heard it, I didn't really, I didn't think of it as, um, I don't think it was a malicious story or anything. Uh, obviously, it was kind of like team hazing, but you, you sort of understand that this is unfortunately a pretty common occurrence within the locker room. And some guys really enjoy it, some guys really don't. There's probably some people in the middle who don't really care either way, but... I think Sawyer made the mistake of not really reading the room, knowing that, you know, not really recognizing that this was an inappropriate thing to discuss, especially with very limited context, context that's not going to be coming on a hockey broadcast. You put it out there, it's out there now, people are going to react, and people have very much reacted, and even Daniel Carcillo, who was um, part of the discussion involving Akeem Aliu's abuse, you know, he just t tweeted about it the other day, and it's just... I don't know, I'm, I'm baffled by this whole situation because I feel like no party involved has handled, handled this all that well. Uh, and, and like, look, I'm not a marketing expert. I don't deal in PR work. But I can tell you that the way that the situation has been handled as it is, is very inappropriate. I think the amount of silence and the fact that no one has really responded to it has been kind of an issue. One of the most uncomfortable situations was when somebody called into TSN 1290 and basically said, look, I hear you're not muzzled, you know, prove it, talk about the situation. And no one on the broadcast really could say anything because 
First off, what the heck are they going to say? They're employees of TSN. I'm sure that this is a bit of a sore spot because it's it's definitely within the Winnipeg public consciousness and uh, increasingly in the broader public consciousness of the hockey community. You don't really want to say something and, and make a misstep, especially on live air. And, and so they kind of just didn't really respond at all. In fact, there was dead silence for a few seconds. And I think it just speaks to the fact that this situation is very uncomfortable for everyone involved, but no one really knows how to deal with it, and no one has really given a plan beyond, we're not really going to acknowledge it until we absolutely have to, and that time has now come. So, at this point going forward, I don't really know how the situation resolves itself. My personal opinion, and, and somebody else on Twitter actually expressed the same thing, was that Sawyer should just be fired because of his color commentating being at a pretty low quality. I agree, I think that Sawyer, he's a nice guy, he tries hard, but I think his commentating has not been my favorite to listen to. This situation, though, and the, the cone of silence that's kind of come around it is, in my opinion, kind of troubling because I, I think, look, I, I get that he made a mistake, he made a bad call during a broadcast, sometimes you make bad decisions when you're live on air and you can't really take it back, but they didn't really do enough to get ahead of it, and I think that they didn't really do anything to clear the air, which makes the situation worse because everyone starts speculating the worst about it. Do I think the worst of it? I don't think that that's exactly what happened, but I, you know, f from those who have worked in Hockey Canada and whatnot, they've said that, by definition, this was a situation of hazing and bullying, which is rightfully banned by the Hockey Canada Association. So not only do you have a TSN rep, you know, kind of glorifying the situation, but it's, it's already been banned by the Hockey Canada organization at large, which means it shouldn't be happening, especially at the junior level. Y you know, this is kind of a big situation because here's a broadcaster who's the next coach, you know, after, after everything that has happened within the NHL coaching scene regarding abuse, bullying, and hazing, he comes out with this story. And to me, it's just, it's such a critical mistake. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you can't do, and there's no there's no real way around, you know, fixing it. What I would like to hear is, you know, not just an apology, but I, I think that Sawyer should clarify the situation, what occurred, and then talk about ways going forward to avoid, um, in, you know, encouraging this kind of culture and behavior from continuing on. Obviously, punitive measures do help, but I think the most important thing for prevention is just educating people on the situation. I'm sure Sawyer has absolutely seen everything that's involved with this process. He knows what's happened in the hockey community. He's very aware of it. But... His story was a bit tone-deaf, especially given the circumstances and the timing, and I think that he has to be more conscious of that, especially going forward. And, like, I, in, in some ways, I don't necessarily blame him specifically. Uh, this is part of the broader cultural problem in hockey, but he is going to have to, you know, come out with a statement at some point, which apparently he is going to on Tuesday, uh, and he'll he'll talk about, I guess, what his response to his story is, which I'm sure will be carefully coached and... and discussed with um, either TSN reps or those who are around the Jets team to make sure that nothing weird happens. All I can say is it's going to be a very tricky, uncomfortable situation, and I'm not 100% sure how you approach this, especially in light of everything that's happened and from the fact that there was so much silence for as long as there was. Aside from the Kevin Sawyer situation likely resolving itself within the next couple of days or so, I think Winnipeg's real future as far as the you know, at least the on-ice product and performance is concerned, is really going to determine what happens with the rest of the season and whether or not Paul Maurice keeps his job. I'll admit I was one of the people who, in some respects, was a bit skeptical of whether or not Maurice could take this team to the next level. 
When he did it in 2017-2018, I was kind of hopeful that, well, maybe he's learned a few things, and maybe he'll change his approach and get the Jets back to where they need to be, or at least keep them at that level or close to it. But instead, Winnipeg has fallen back into the same bad habits that so many mid- you know, middling, mediocre teams or, or just straight-up bad teams have fallen into. And it's not like Winnipeg's offensive troubles are really resolving themselves magically. Winnipeg is still a bad team, and they haven't really improved. I'm sure it's really not going to improve any time in the near future. I mean, they sure, they played a couple of fun uh, sequences during the game against the Vancouver Canucks, but I think, on the whole, that game really wasn't great, especially in the latter half when the Jets sat back and started absorbing pressure. They lost, you know, a pretty dull game to Nashville, and then tonight they just got completely pancaked by a, a very superior Tampa Bay Lightning team that... On paper, the Jets at least should have had a bit of a chance against. I mean, Winnipeg's playing at home. They have an opportunity with some really quality forwards. Um, Connor Hellebuck has obviously bailed this team out, so I worry less about him than I worry about the defense and the the forward unit. And instead, Winnipeg just kind of lays a real turd, and it's to me it's just a massive disappointment. I think that Winnipeg continually um, plays pretty poor hockey against great teams, even against middling or mediocre teams or borderline squads that the Jets should be able to handle Winnipeg struggles. They were kind of lucky to walk away in some respects with a win against the Vancouver Canucks, because after that pretty solid, pretty fun first period, the Jets kind of sat back and and just let Vancouver have their way. And sure, the game situation kind of allowed for that to happen, and I get it, and I think it made sense at the time. But, you know, watching this game, you kind of realize that Winnipeg is very far from where they need to be. I think those of us who have watched this team enough already knew that that was the situation, and it has been for a couple of years, uh, basically ever since that one magical cup run um, that almost almost paid off. But, uh, you know, going forward, I don't really know what to expect for the rest of the season, other than that Winnipeg really needs to think long and hard before they commit to bringing Maurice back. In my opinion, he just hasn't really shown me enough to suggest that he is the guy that's going to bring a championship title to the city. I think that Maurice did a lot for the team, especially after Claude Noel exited. But beyond that, you know, I'm just not seeing the the kind of return that you need on somebody who's been gifted such a fantastic roster and then over the past couple of seasons really hasn't been able to do much with it. You know, people will say, oh, well, it's Chevy's responsibility to get defensemen for the team. And yes, it is. It is absolutely part of management's objective to um, at least stock the roster with guys who can play at this level and be, you know, at least serviceable, you know, maybe not great, but at least serviceable. So yes, management does share some of the blame, but the fact that the Jets really haven't played, especially on the offensive side of things, anything that resembles their game from a couple of seasons ago, that's part of the central issue with Maurice. Rather than what Gallant did with the Knights, which is allowing the identity of the roster to shape his vision for the team, Maurice is still trying to use his vision of how the team should be playing with a roster that's really not suited to this vision, and that misalignment is causing a serious problem with Winnipeg's on-ice performance. Until until that situation changes, whether Maurice exits or or he kind of adapts and changes, that that, that lack of alignment is going to cause serious problems for Winnipeg trying to get to the playoffs. I'm not even convinced that the Jets are going to make it this season. They were in a decent spot earlier, but that cushion that they had in these standings is basically evaporated to nothing. There are a lot of better teams hungry for a playoff spot that are chasing the Jets, and after this performance, if things start to slide, you know, does Maurice really survive a a couple of games losing streak where the Jets are just bad? I really don't know. What I do know is that the Jets have more questions than answers right now, and it's going to have to start, you know, on this road trip, 
Winnipeg needs to figure out what kind of team it is and whether or not they want to make the playoffs this season, or do they want to try and go for a higher draft pick because they can't have both. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, have a great night, and go Jets go.